Well, I do apologise. Well, Reg you know. out! <laughs> Reg out! She's not going to hear me, I don't think. Try shouting louder. Reg out! <laughs> oh, I missed out. Try throwing stuff at the door. <laughs> That's a great idea. I've got some... <laughs> Oh, no, she's on the other side of the door. You see, there's, oh, another yeah, door. Yeah. Yeah. there's under the door. Between, yeah, okay. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Movie Chef podcast where we make a meal out of movies. I'm your host, Tebs, bringing you another uh, year full of exciting movie news with my executive chef, my executive host, looking like Onslow from uh, Keeping Up Appearances. <laughs> who the fuck is going to know who Onslow is? Like, <laughs> Onslow Bucket. <laughs> I'll be honest, I went for the last of the summer wine, but I think I'm, I said Onslow instead of Compo, so combo? I just rode with it. Uh, yes, You've got yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, what was the name from On the Buses? I'm showing my age now. Uh, oh, jeez, I don't know his name. Ernie or Bert. No, they're Sesame Street characters. <laughs> and my son. <laughs> yeah, and your not, son. Yeah. Not Bert. I'm not fucking high. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my son, Bert, and my other son, Cookie Monster. <laughs> so, uh, no, it is, it's, it's very cold in the garage tonight. I have my blanket around my legs like uh, an old crippled man i'm wearing my hat my snoods and uh oh, can you see me oh i oh, can't see it there oh, i can see but i can very much see your breath there it, it looks to be i think you need to conserve as much energy as possible this might turn into a an expedition to come and save you well w- what might happen is i've decided i just said to rachel i'm gonna do the podcast indoors tonight and she was like no you're not and I'm like well rachel, i'm gonna have to like it's very very cold inside and she's like no you're not I was like, Rachel, it's very cool. And she's like, I've heard your language in that podcast, Cormac. You are not using that language in the house. And I was like, right, okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, dear. And uh, you had a good new year. This is obviously the first episode of the new year. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, look at that. For God's sake. Oh, we tiny marshmallows as well. Oh, fuck. Look at that. Jesus Christ. You've just been brought a dessert. Oh. See you, Rachel. She's away. Mm. Fuck me. Well, at least, well, at least we've given you so much stick in your fucking mushes. We're recording. How was your new year? Is it good? Has you got a gob full of marshmallow? Very, 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 very quiet. Um, didn't really get up to much. We we were watching old episodes of Fear Factor with Joe Rogan. Uh, with my son, he for some reason he loves Fear Factor. I'm kind of afraid though because I don't want him turning into some fucking right wing podcast lover. Uh, so I kind of I keep making fun of Joe Rogan. <laughs> look how small he is, son. <laughs> look, look at him. He's fucking. He's a moron. <laughs> Just so he won't pick up on who Joe Rogan is. No, son, you can't listen to him anywhere other than Spotify <laughs> because they paid him fifty million dollars. Oh, uh, so, yeah. I had uh, I had a very quiet one as well. It was kind of like all the fireworks started going off, but it's a very um, it's a very multicultural area in which I live. Um, so they very much celebrate. 
all the time zones. So they would my work's going off from like five in the afternoon all <laughs> really? night, all night long. From five in the afternoon on the hour, every hour, fireworks were going off. Those they were just celebrating for everybody around the world. I had to look, keep looking at my phone to make sure I didn't miss midnight. Listen, listen, it is what it is. Everybody's got to keep themselves amused in this lockdown some one way or another. Yeah. I played I played two games of Cluedo, a game of Uno, and a game of I think it's called Penguin Drop. You kind of hammer little bricks out, like we cube things out of like a stand, and yeah, Penguin has to stay up. Penguin in no. peril. Penguin in peril. That's what it's called. So we is played all like, them last night. Is it like a modern version of Kaplunk? I have no idea what Kaplunk is. Fuck off. I'm, I'm sorry. Tube, plastic tube, loads mm-hmm. of straws go into the middle of it through the tube in all different angles. And it creates signs, like a, signs shite and shut the fuck up. I ain't even finished yet. And that creates like a net. And you pour marbles in, and it's your job to pull the straws out. And whoever either gets the most marbles or gets least marbles. I mean, I can't remember that bit. That sounds like the shitest game ever. Fuck Jesus Christ. Well, anyway, well, I'm glad we're off to a fine note for the new year. I hope your hot chocolate burns you. <laughs> I'm. I'm tasting a little marshmallow at the time being there. Mm. And that, my friends, is not a euphemism. Um, so, a couple of trailers out this week. Well, it was over two weeks because we had a bit of a break last week, didn't we? We, we were gentlemen of leisure last week, so we didn't have to record. Um, but we had um, a trailer come out for something that I thought would be right up your alley. It's uh, Netflix's History of Swear Words, starring Nicolas Cage. Um, oh, 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is ultimate viewing for me. This is just perfect. This is this is one of those things. This is one of those things where I, my son, every once in a while, checks the coming soon on Netflix. And the first thing that popped up was a history of swearing with Nicolas Cage. And, you know, when you kind of put your hand at a child's face and like throw him halfway across the room, just go, get out of here. <laughs> Daddy's watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck it on, and I thought to myself, you know what? I gotta get in touch with Paul. I gotta get in touch. Well, obviously, then you know I've been drinking for the last two weeks, so you know I forgot to tell you about it. I'd <laughs> say it. it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm waiting for this one. I don't care what it was. I mean, I, I think we were going to talk about something with starring Chloe Grace Moretz or some something that looks really bad, but instead we got Nicolas Cage, which is fantastic. But uh, oh yeah, I just think you know when you get somebody who just absolutely realizes that they've got a niche for something. I think the only way this would have been better if it had been with Jeff Goldblum. Well, I would say one thing as well. Cage looks great. You know, um, he, do- he doesn't look too dolled up. He doesn't look too makeuped up. He doesn't look, you know, plastic. You know, we've seen a lot of pictures lately of, of Nicolas Cage out and about, you know, not particularly doing much, but he didn't just look Just walking great. up the street in Victorian tuxedos with Bermuda yeah. <laughs> didn't. He- he didn't look great, and then he, he comes up in this, and I thought he looked absolutely unbelievable. So I thought he's going to work great. Yeah, because Netflix have got the best makeup artist and the best lighting, and Netflix will look after you. That's sweet, sweet Netflix money. Everybody's <laughs> on board for that now. Um, <laughs> but over on the Amazon Prime, sweet, sweet Amazon Prime money is coming to America. The long-awaited sequel to Coming to America. Listen, listen. I had a better idea about coming to America, right? How about just a movie of the guys in the hairdressers? Tebs is on the drink for the first time on a Sunday night for in a long time. Tebs has got a okay. week off. Muzzled okay. off. <laughs> but a movie with the guys in the hairdressers, ju- just them. 
did they not make that? I don't think they did. No, they didn't. No. But I, you know, what? I'm struggling to. I, I mean, I remember the film, but probably not as fondly as everybody else does because I'm watching this, and when I was watching this trailer, I just kept thinking to myself, "Where's the multiple Eddie Murphy characters? Where are they?" And then right at the that did they also star in and also star in Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy. It's like, oh, this time he's fat. <laughs> this time he's got big teeth. This time he wears glasses. This time he's an old man talking to himself. Oh, the joke wears but that really was, thin, But really. that was the original kind of no. Eddie Murphy stars all kind of one. And it was the one that actually worked. Yeah, Coming, one. To America is a, Coming to America is a great memory. No, it's the first It's the first one. It's the first one where he did multiple characters, I believe. And Coming to America works. Coming to America is a great movie. I don't think coming to America is going to work. I really. Oh, don't. I'm not saying I'm not saying the second one's going to work. No, I'm saying that the first that's one. What I'm saying. And we've been stung before, and we're about to talk about a film where you expect so much for the sequel, and it just turns out to be utter dog shit. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, coming to America is coming out pretty soon. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. Cause I paid a ten or a month to watch it, so I'm going to watch it. But I don't have high hopes. No, neither do I. No. Um, let's get the heavy stuff done first. Ray Fisher says he apparently is done working with um, DC Films President Walter Hamada uh, due to the ongoing um, investigation uh, around what happened on the Justice League shoot. And apparently Ray Fisher has now uh, described him as per his tweet as Walter Hamada is the most dangerous kind of enabler. His lies and Warner Brothers PR's failed September the 4th hit piece sought to undermine the very real issues of the Justice League investigation. I will not participate in any production associated with him. It's an odd way to write your resignation from acting, isn't it? I mean, I'm not saying this guy's super hot in Hollywood, but He's not painting himself great, is he? Well, I, I obviously I, I don't know what the jazz is about what happened on the set. And, no. You know, Joss Whedon has in in some way upset these people four years after the movie came out, three years after the movie came out. Um, you know, again, I think we spoke about this in an earlier podcast. Um, you know, if if there's seasoned actors on set and they haven't come out or put their foot down. Because let's be honest, Affleck, Cavell, Gal Gadot, uh, you know, they're pretty much bigger than the Justice League was back then. I mean that they were bigger at the time than the movie itself. So if something had gone on, if something had gone on, they are like, if something had gone on on that movie, surely the older heads, Jeremy Irons was in that movie, was he not as well? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, so you've got all this wealth of knowledge as a, and acting and, and uh, experience in dealing with fucking, I'm sure one or two of them have dealt with fucking crappy directors before. Why hasn't it came out before? Why, have, why didn't they come out and say something? Why have they remained silent? But the only person who's come out and said something is your man Fisher. Uh, you know what? For the same reason that Harvey Weinstein's for doing 22 years for rape. Because no. people say that no, I'm not saying it's the same. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying no, I get, is, I know, I people in Hollywood are now like, all right, Josh we Josh Whedon, say he did, say he did decide he's gonna, he don't, he don't like black people and he's gonna cut them all out of the film, which Ray, you know, Ray Fisher's insinuated in the past. Oh, is this part. is that what it's about? Yeah. Well, there's part of that. That's you know one little bit that I've read is one suggestion because you know he's saying for the way minorities and certain people were trapped on set, 
when Whedon came in and you you know you're taking away all of the flashback story which involves um the young actress i can't remember her name she's playing uh, the flash's girlfriend you know um, we've all seen the tv show and then you've got all of cyborg stuff taken out cut out whatever and there's the suggestion there that you know maybe certain people in the film were hard done to because of certain ideas but when you say why do all these all heads affleck jeremy irons why are they keeping their head down and not saying anything because they're playing the game and it's a shit game but i think they're playing the game i think they you know they've probably gone to ray fisher might have said look lad you know everything we know has gone on this is the way it happens keep your head down you'll do well in hollywood move on and i think ray fisher's fighting back i think that that's the reason why nobody else is speaking out because they know they've got other movies to make and they need other stuff financing and if you're stood there telling the head of dc to go fuck himself are you going to get more work it's very it's a very it's a very you know is dc that big that's what i'm just trying to say is dc that Water big that is. people that people would would hold their tongue that's what i'm that's what i just don't understand yeah, okay you know, yeah. maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm going at this at a different at a, at a completely different angle but you know whatever i i'm just I'm just suggesting as well, you know, that all I'm saying is it seems like this Hollywood is this dirty place that a lot of bad stuff will get covered up because you know that's what you need to do. You need to say the right stuff, play the game. I've been told it in previous jobs, play the game. You might not like it, but you've got to say the right stuff to get by in this world. And I think Frey Fish is now speaking out against it. And while his motives and what he's saying may be true, I just think his causing himself a whole load of shit until this investigation comes out. But I don't, what do I know? I'm just some chump. Um, do you want some good news? <laughs> Please. Shia LaBeouf's career is in meltdown. Shia LaBeouf. What's wrong? Um, what happened? Oh, oh I, I think I read about this. It's a selfie of twigs. Yes. This is obviously what he did is not good news, but I think it's just gotten good news that he's finally, finally been found out to be the absolute prick that he is. Uh, but he's been having something of a resurgence. He's been starring a few films and then recently he was dropped from um, a project and it was announced Harry Styles would be replacing him. Uh, and then afterwards it came out that he's being charged with sexual battery and, and all sorts of different stuff. And one of his ex described his uh, relationship as a as basically it's abuse verbal and physical um and he's come out and said yep i'm a, i'm an asshole so well, he, he hold on he actually came out and went yep yeah 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 so um no, really for, well for, <laughs> for i'm just trying to find his exact tweets but basically I, I'm yeah a cynic, i'm a cynical person paul and shia labeouf has been trying to do some art imitating life shit for the past five or six years now where you know what didn't he i might be wrong about this didn't he go and stand in a fucking museum for like three days and people could do anything they wanted to yeah um it said he was raped at that point yeah nice man he is um but yeah, FKA Twigs said she's filed a lawsuit against her former boyfriend alleging um, physical, emotional and mental abuse during their relationship. Um, LaBeouf responded to the allegations in an email to the Times and offered an apology for his past behaviour. I'm not in any position to tell anybody how my behaviour made them feel. I have no excuses for my alcoholism or aggression, only rationalisations. I've been abusive to myself and everyone around me for years. I have a history of hurting the people closest <laughs> to me. Yeah. Myself. 
and myself. myself. I've been hurting myself as well, people. (laughs) I'm ashamed of that history. I'm so sorry to those I hurt, which obviously includes himself then. He's apologizing to himself. Listen, guys, I may have raped this girl. I may have punched her in the face, but, you know, I've suffered enough because... I've I have had myself. some rough mornings. Yeah, <laughs> I've had some really bad hangovers, guys. I mean, some of the stuff I was drinking was awful. But <laughs> have you geez. ever shit blood, guys? Have you ever shit blood? <laughs> so anyway, if it is a, a method piece, he's going to get real method because he's going to. There's a potential they're going to get locked up, so <laughs> we'll see how method he wants to go. Good. <laughs> not not just because of he's Shia LaBeouf. I don't, I don't give a shit about Shia LaBeouf. I don't think about him enough to think that you haven't given the time of day. Like, um, But if you're in a relationship and you're just a, a constant alcoholic beating on your girlfriend, mentally torturing her, you know, potentially fucking, you know, sexually abusing her when she doesn't want, you know, you either deserve to be in a prison or in the bottom of a lake, you know, you, you, you take a choice, which one do you want? And, you know, let's, let's hope he just goes to prison. Yeah. And then ends up in the bottom of the lake. Um, right. So moving on to lighter news, uh, the Eternals, one of the lesser discussed Marvel films, um, that is due to come out next year. It's been uh, filming for quite a while, quite, quite an impressive cast. We've talked about it before. Um, but there's been something leaked or, if you describe it as that, um, which is could be linking up to the rest of the MCU and what it's got in store for, for time to come. So minor spoils here if it's right, but there's an, um, new descriptions for each of the characters in Eternals describes their power source as something called cosmic energy. Icarus, it can project... Cosmic uh, energy, man. Cosmic energy, man. It's like uh, all vegan and... I'm almost sure him. fucking Charlie Manson had a book called Cosmic Energy. Nah, you know, cosmic, cosmic energy, man. Jesus, that sounds like Ernest from Ernest. That's fucking, what? <laughs> Jim Varney? <laughs> no, that's, that's, what's his name from King of the Hill? Oh, uh, Boomer? Boomhauer. Boomhauer. Yeah, Boomer. Um, Hold on two seconds before you even say anything. It's amazing that you mentioned Ernest because all the Ernest movies are on Amazon Prime and we watched Ernest Saves Christmas last week. So (laughs) let's move on. Let's just let's just move on. What was the one I watched? I think it was Ernest Goes to Jail. It's probably the one I've seen. Yeah, with all the pink outfits. Yeah, that was next. Ernest, Ernest Saves Christmas, Ernest Goes to Jail and Ernest Scared Silly. They're the they're the three best. Are they the good ones? <laughs> and there's the one there's one called Ernest goes to Africa, and it's he didn't go to Africa. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Ernest goes to uh, Animal Park in um, Orlando, Florida. <laughs> it's bad. Like it's it's bad. Um, so yeah, Eternals. So apparently they get the um, Icarus uh, is said to be able to project beams of intense cosmic energy from his eyes. Um, a caric and cosmically powered super speed. Druig uses cosmic energy to control the minds of men. And uh, Gilgamesh uses cosmic energy to form a powerful exoskeleton of cosmic energy. Basically, there's an awful lot of cosmic energy going in this, which is the, obviously the source of fantastic force powers. Um, this Eternals is supposed to cross like hundreds of years in time frame as opposed to just a couple of days or a single. It's supposed to be a big, long, sweeping epic through the history of the MCU. So top and bottom, are you interested in this? Do you think, it'll, do you think it could lead to Fantastic Four? Do we even want yeah, no, Fantastic Four I, 
I, I, I don't want a Fantastic Four, um, but I have been seeing a lot of the stuff from Eternals, um, and I'm very excited by it, um, but I'm not, I'm just, I, I think we spoke about this last week, I don't want another Fantastic Four um, origin movie, basically. No, they did that well with Spider-Man, they avoided that pothole. Um, by just having him already with his powers, but I think it'll be very difficult to explain in the MCU if a family of four like these suddenly get the powers out of nowhere. Yeah. We'll see, anyway. Um, so we were going to do a, a preview of the films coming out in 2021, but, well, <laughs> let's admit, do we really know what's going to be coming out in 2021 or what's going to be coming out in 2022, pushback? We don't know. We don't know. I'd, I, it's, it is still completely up in the air, isn't it? Because we don't know what kind of world that we're going to still be in this summer. Um, I, I would hope that we'll be in a place where we can all at least go to the cinema together again. Um, but, you know, who fucking knows? Who knows? Even if the city is in little plastic cabinets. Just like, <laughs> well, send, us yeah. in, send us in one at a time. Put us in these little plastic cabinets and uh, sit and watch your film and then get out of there you won't be able to hear people <laughs> crunching and chewing either and nobody will be able to talk to each other it's fantastic so um we were going to do it and like i said we did a 2020 preview uh, in one of our first episodes and uh that's actually one of the least listened to episodes that we've done so we're not doing a full episode on them now um but yeah i just wanted to have a quick i'm going to run over a couple of the top films that are going to come out in 2021 uh, and i want your um executive chef seal of approval on these okay okay let's go so uh, for me, these are the ones I'm most looking forward to. Suicide, the Suicide Squad, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Which is that? Oh, is this the second one? Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so it's nothing to yeah. do with the first one. I'm, I'm looking will... forward to it because I think Jai Courtney's going to get killed off in the first ten minutes. So I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> I'll be honest. I watched Birds of Prey the other night. Oh God, it's garbage, dude. And I cannot understand. I couldn't figure out if it was made for TV first, and then I thought to myself, no, they wouldn't have fucking, you know, they wouldn't have Margot Robbie in a made-for-TV movie. Like, But the first 25 minutes of that movie, I was embarrassed for every single person involved in it. Like, it, it did get slightly better, but the first 25 minutes are, are fucking embarrassing. So I, I'm, I'm hoping... You know that DC can can pull something out. I, I can't see it happening. Well, I think James Gunn can. If it's a standalone story, forget about Superman, forget about Batman. You just do a story that kills off a few of the previous cast, brings a couple through, tell a story. Done. I think he'll do well at that. It did well with Guardians when you didn't have to include the rest of the story. Got around the you know around the characters. You can just yeah do it. But we'll see. Um, it's interesting you should mention Birds of Prey, actually. Somebody asked on Twitter the other day that, that said, uh, which was your favourite out of Birds of Prey or Wonder Woman 84? Wonder Woman 84 being the film that we're going to be reviewing this episode. Uh, and I said, "What well, it's like being in a fight and somebody said, did you prefer being punched in the face or the stomach? It's <laughs> it's not an enjoyable experience, either of them, so asking me to decide. But um, we've got The Matrix 4 coming. That's managed to yep. get films um, through this. Uh, see... It's still got, you know, it's still the same talent there. Uh, it, it's The Matrix. It's a futuristic sci-fi film, so I don't care how dead people can come back into it. For now, I'm just like, yeah, get on with it. Um, we've obviously got Lana Wachowski, who's directing this on her own without a sister. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, they've had some hit and misses. In fact, have they had anything that's been an, an outright hit since Matrix? And even no, well, Matrix, when you speak, when you speak, divided. yeah, but when you speak about hit, it's like one of those things. It's it's like arguing with DC people on Twitter. You know, when you turn around to them and go, they've all been garbage. Yeah, but they made you know four billion worldwide. Like, but that doesn't make it any good. You know that 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 that's not a, a seal of of how good a movie is. But you know, if if Carrie Ann Moss is in it, if uh, Lawrence Fishburne's in it, if you know the Wachowskis are, are involved in any way, shape, or form, and if Keanu's in it, yeah, I'm pretty much going to go see that. Like, oh, I'm going to go see it. But this is the Wachowskis directing. Films they've directed since the Matrix sequels, which were, you know, some people Speed like Ra- to... Speed Racer was their first one, wasn't it? Speed, Speed Racer, which I've it's never seen. Fun. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Oh. Um, Cloud Atlas, which I've seen, but I prepared to give another go to. Yeah, but it it's just okay. It felt quite convoluted, but yeah, apparently, it it's based is. On oh, oh it is really got it. <laughs> And Jupiter Ascending, which was fucking horrible. horrible. Yeah, the horrible. I, I, for some reason, if I can't sleep at night, I'll always want to watch like a sci-fi movie or something. You know, we'll just watch something that's kind of like a throwaway. And yeah. I watched Jupiter Ascending one night, and mm. I felt like crying, having wasted two and thirty, two and twenty. Yeah. No. Um, <clears throat> but somebody actually explained the Matrix the other day after Lana was interviewed. Obviously, she's uh, Lana's transgender, and um, she was talking about the Matrix being an allegory for uh, coming out as transgender, taking the red pill, the estrogen that they give you. It was red in the 90s. Yeah. It was red. Uh, it's about being woken up by using your given name of Neo rather than your, uh, your, your preferred name rather than your birth name of Thomas Anderson. He said, my name's near. There's a lot, uh, you know, and people say, oh, it's just looking back at it and rearranging history. It's like, no, when when you listen to a talk about the film, there was a lot going on there. And while ever like Cloud Atlas and Speed Racer, that's not their stuff. And I'm just thinking if this is something they've written as a continuation of the story and it's their work, and I know it's just Lana directing it, but hey, I'm up for it. And like you say, it's going to have the original lot in. It's I think it's got a young Morpheus in it. So there might be a bit of time travel shenanigans. I don't know what, but look, it's, uh, we're looking forward to it. What else are we looking forward to? We, we've, we've talked about all the Marvel films to death. Let's have a look at something else. Um, Godzilla versus King Kong. We've obviously spoke about that. And obviously the most important about that film is, will we see King Kong's balls? <laughs> I want to see, see the monkey nuts. They've got to be there somewhere. Mortal Kombat, I'm so excited for. Um, Mortal Kombat's up there for me as well. We've talked about Dune before, but Ghostbusters Afterlife, this is one. So this is a sequel to the original pair. Um, Paul Rudd and a cast of kids. Disney Club regulars, I don't know who they are. But anyway, yeah, so this is uh, a story by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. uh, Jason Reitman directing it. You're for it, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think we have, we've spoken before about the kind of the way that things like things like Stranger Things have been shot. I know one of the kids from Stranger Things is in it as well. Like, I don't mean anything like that. I like just that kind of eighties kind of feel to movies. I like the kind of 
I like the period. I like the way things are shot like that. And it's kind of like in some fucking barn in bumfuck America, you know, that they find Ecto-1 during the trailer. Um, no, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm there. And, and if, if Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd, you know, turn in, turn up into it, or in, um, uh, Zedmore, what was his name, Ernie? I want, I want Rick Moranis turning up. <laughs> I want Rick Moranis turning up. Imagine the pop in that cinema; that'd be amazing. For Rick Moranis just comes in and glasses on there. Yeah. Um, anything else that you're particularly looking forward to in twenty one? I wrote down a couple, um, and I won't really go into them that much. But looking forward to Mission Impossible Seven. Uh, I'm yeah, looking forward back to back with eight. So there's mm-hmm. two of those to come pretty quickly. Looking forward to Sing Two. Sing Two, the cartoon is going to be coming out as well. Yeah, fair enough. Whatever. Whatever was great. Bob's Burgers, the movie comes out. Hotel Transylvania Four comes out. Have you um, have you just looked have you got have you got adult protection uh, child protection locks on your internet at the minute? Are you just finding all kids' films? Sing Sherlock two. Three is coming out. <laughs> Space Jam's coming out. Candyman, oh, no. Candyman, Candyman's coming out as well. Oh, I said it three times. Did you say it into a mirror? Well, I'm looking at myself. Does there that count? Go. That's that guy behind you. <gasps> Candyman! That's how you write a horror film. Um, yeah, and the other one was Spiral. I think we've spoke about this before, but it's a, a Saw spin-off. Where it's pretty, pretty much just going to be a copycat. And we've got... Mm, um, it's an excuse for Samuel Jackson to say, I ain't playing no motherfucking games. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, there's odds and sods coming out. We're going to be reviewing them um, as and when. But... The first biggest film uh, to come out in, well, it was Christmas Day. It came out in America on HBO Max. Uh, it was actually been out in the UK from December 16th in cinemas, uh, selected cinemas, i.e. those that haven't shut down yet. And we, of course, of course are talking about Wonder Woman 84. Uh, yeah, it's coming up after this. And I just want to warn you that we are going to be talking spoilers from the very beginning. So if you haven't seen Wonder Woman 84, Tune out now. Come back when you've seen it. Maybe illegally. It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it that you always talk all the time? I can't understand I why this, this, voice is this is the merman, the voice of reason. These two can't agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are Mondo, some are just Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. Right, so in 2017, we had Wonder Woman come out with the first uh, big budget, notable female-led superhero film. And you know what? I, I loved the 2017 one. The first solo yeah. outing, setting the First World War, the Great War, uh, the connection with Steve Rogers, the world building, um, the action scenes, one in particular, the the action of going across no man's land. Fantastic. And that really set me up and that made me really excited for this one coming out. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think that the set pieces that were in the first Wonder Woman were wonderfully shot. I think the CGI was fantastic. I thought, uh, you know, the acting was tremendous. I thought the casting was great. Uh, you know, everything about the 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 first Wonder Woman movie, even the bad guys, the bad guys were menacing. 
you know, mm. the plot, the plot was good. It was set around, you know, a great time. You know, everything, everything was was good for going forward. Everything was good. The one thing that stands out for me, and the one thing that always ties a superhero to me, mm. is the music. Now, mm. with Superman, you got the bum bum bum. You know, when that builds in, you get this sense of this guy's here. Um, even like Iron Man and the Marvel music have their own cues. And with Wonder Woman, it had the electric cello. Uh, and I'm not going to do it, but that. that <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Amazing. Yeah. And that for me linked that piece of music to that character. That was it now. That was her sort of entrance. When you can hear that bubbling, that's that that scene going into no man's land where she it's the sort of it's the Superman, you know, taking the suit off and revealing yeah. the suit and it, it, it had all these hallmarks, but it did them differently, it did them fresh. And that set me up for this film. And I was really looking forward to it. Same director, given more money, more chance to, you know, expand the, the world and learn more about what's going on. How do they fumble it so badly? Well, like it, it, it's from the start, right? From the start, obviously, there's going to be spoilers the whole way through this. So, oh, yeah, if, sorry, if, yeah, if, yeah, if, thanks, you thanks. If, you <laughs> if you haven't watched this, this is yeah. not a spoiler free review. <laughs> yeah, this is this is 100%. We'll be talking everything and more. Turn off now. If you don't want to hear spoilers, so obviously from the very start, you know we have we have the scenes of a young Diana entering into some kind of Olympian, um, you know, uh, games that she shouldn't be, but does. You know, she just runs up and runs through, and obviously I'll I'll skip the whole way through the movie. There's no callback. There's there was no rhyme or reason to that 10, 15 minute scene. There was Sorry. nothing. Okay, so. Like I say, we're starting Themyscira back when um, Diana's a child. And we're not going to be going through beat for beat of the movie, but it gives you an idea. I was exactly the same with this. That opening 20 minutes is probably the best shot, the best looking, most fun of the whole movie. And it's before Gal Gadot turns up. Now, yeah, at first I was like, the whole point of that opening was, don't cheat, you've got to work for what you want. And... As we learn through the movie, that is basically that's where we're going in terms of wishes and desire fulfillment and things like that. So she had to learn as a child not to cheat to get what you want. There was nothing. I was trying. I'm trying to piece it even to what happened. And we're going to come on. She's already Wonder Woman. You know, she's already Wonder Woman. This is the second movie. You know, if there was some kind of, if, the, if this was a hark back to, to Diana of old when she was younger and to what Diana does now, you know, lives on the edge and fucking, you know, is she is she a chancer? But no, this is the second movie. She, she's not that person. We've already seen her in the first movie. And there's no reason why. And let's go straight into Wonder Woman. You know, I, like I say, she was, for me, it was totally unnecessary in Batman versus Superman. And we'll talk about this later, but mm-hmm. I just don't think she was needed in that film. The solo film we've said is great. Justice League, we've talked about what a shit show that was. But she has always been one of the constant, very good in the role as Wonder Woman, some good action and good potential. And we have an hour and an hour and six minutes before mm-hmm. we where we only saw Wonder Woman in action once yeah. in yeah. this 
god-awful shopping. And you talk about loving bits of the 80s and loving the nostalgia of the 80s. This is the reason I turned Stranger Things off. Oh, look at these old shops. That's their shops we used to shop in. Isn't everything bright? Listen to the but music. Was, yeah, but it was it was it was shot in a way that it was as if this movie was made in 2220. And this is what the people of the future imagined 80s in America looked like. Yeah. And it was every, everybody was in just really, really bright, colorful clothes. And I picked up on it straight away about the the Superman thing, you know. I, I could see what they were doing. You know, it was it was like the start of a Superman movie where, yeah. you know, the set piece would happen. And, you know, and, you know, that that's Superman. I get that. I get why that happens to Superman. Yeah, yeah. But now, are we now led to believe that Wonder Woman just, just jumps around from mall to mall or bank to bank during the day stopping crimes? I, I, yeah, middle of the day. Jumps right in. Don't want anybody to see her. She's been doing this for 66 years since World War One, Right? So she's never been seen. And like you say, she just happens to be at a bank. She doesn't have super hearing yet. <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> well, we'll, maybe she does. <laughs> we'll come on to all these newfound powers that she gets given. But she, she's in this. She just happens to be in this mall. There she is, full Wonder Woman, not protecting her identity. But And for me, the bit that the... the, the the through throwing the the tiara at the video cameras it was this question and it goes back into i'm going to come up with it straight away warner brothers have described justice league zack sider's justice league as uh, a story uh cul-de-sac there's no way to take the universe on from where the, where it comes to apparently and he did this with batman versus superman by bringing wonder woman in suddenly you've got to explain where has she been all this time who was she? Where where has she been hiding? And you have to have scenes like destroying the video cameras and going, who's this woman? Who? Where could she be? And it's like, it just wouldn't have happened. She would have been found by somebody. You know, the yeah, US military managed to find Superman after three days. They'll find it. It's like... <laughs> but you're right. It's 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 constantly, it's it's a constant universe of backtracking because they don't they don't know i don't believe that the filmmakers know what timeline that they're in or what universe that they're in or what they should be doing or how they should be doing it you know uh, you know and that is obviously a whole pile of people's faults you know it's not just one person's fault um you know it, it, it'll we go back to star wars and that kind of vein as well you know with rain johnson and uh, you know jj uh, abrams mm. the two of them had completely different visions of a movie and I don't know where they met in the middle on it. And it's the same with anything in the DC universe. There's, there's nobody's meeting in the middle. It's, it's like, it's like I'm writing 10 minutes of the movie and then you're writing 10 minutes of the movie. And then there's a guy in America writing 10 minutes of the movie. And then they all throw it together and then they go, Oh shit, we have to fucking put this person in the movie now. Right. Let's go back and put 10 minutes, 10 minutes in between mine bit and your bit. And you're like, really, is that really the way to be making a movie? I think this was, I mean, the, the reason why this is Wonder Woman 84 is, it, and you're going back to, bit. sorry, it's 84, it's a chance to do this. You know, it's now a world that millennials haven't seen. This is back in, you know, set in Greece in the 60s. You know, this is a time when the viewer, you know, the typical age of the viewer hasn't lived in those times. And it's you just, if you were to describe the 80s to your kid, and have him knock up some costumes and stuff. This is, like you said, this is what it'd be. This is a world that's now described to people 
and saying this is how it was go and create this garish world and they've had to set it in the 80s because they can't carry on the story they can't they can't do a wonder woman story after justice league because we who knows where Zack Snyder's is taking you that's the problem so you've got to set all these stories beforehand and we've like I said we're lumped with 84 and I think it links into what we're going to talk about now in terms of the storyline um we mentioned wish fulfillment this is basically around a rock which grants yeah. wishes which is it's a yeah. fucking genuinely lamp. wishes it's a genie's lantern it's, it's a genie's lamp yeah and I was like I, I whilst I was watching it I turned to my missus and went it's a fucking a wish making thing yeah and she looked at me and she goes no <laughs> no no way do, do you remember on this podcast a while ago i said i'd, I'd had the whole story spoiled for me uh-huh. uh this was back in like february i think this year maybe even january this year beat for beat bang on somebody had seen a screener for this you know i've been to a uh, an audience testing and they'd uh-huh. leaked the story and it is bang on and it was about this monkey's paw which they started referring to it as this rock yeah, as a monkey's, monkey's paw. paw yeah that grants wishes and I just thought this can't be right. This must be a joke. And they've and it's I, I'm, I was speechless. I just think of the most people complained about Ares being a shit villain in the last one because he just turned into this CGI god. And you just think for all the stories you could tell with Wonder Woman, we're going to grant wishes. What better way to try and bring Steve back? What better way to turn? So it's just it's it's lazy. I. I think time travel, I think wishing is a really, really cheap way to end the movie or to, to, to get a storyline in the movie. But I will we'll maybe speak about them a little bit later on. I think there are some redeeming features in the movie. Um, yes. This for me is, know. this film is, is the good, the bad and the ugly. There's some yeah. good bits. There's some very bad bits. And there's just some that are fucking ugly. And we'll come on to the good bit in a minute. So Christine Wig plays uh, Barbara. Uh-huh. I can't even be bothered learning a second name. Who <laughs> is uh, a new colleague of uh, Diana, and we are led to believe that this clumsy, bespectacled wearing woman who hasn't conditioned her hair in a week, who also happens to be a lead researcher with PhDs at the Smithsonian Institute, has got nothing going for her in life. And this is my problem with the character of Barbara. She is another example of sticking big teeth, spots, scraggly hair on a bad guy and then having them evolve into this beautiful being. Iron Man 3 did it. They, Electro, they, they did it with Electro in Amazing Spider-Man 2. They, she's all that at her. She's all that at her. Yeah, they, she's all that every time. And, and again, another super cheap... No, you're watching this movie right and you can tell what the undertones of the movie are you know it's a majority female cast it's a female director um you know i'm sure she had a lot of input in the screenplays and things that got there patty jenkins and so she should you know 100 she's fucking she had done a great job with the original yeah. one um but to add a, an arc into it now i get the whole fact that the wish was made. She made a wish. So that wish was kind of put on other people, not just her. So it's not just the fact of, you know, she took off the long dress and then everyone's seen how good looking she was. It was more than that. There was more of a mystical kind of end. Of, I understand that. But but in essence, they've she's all added her. And that's it. You know, they, 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 they scruffed up her hair a bit, took her glasses off and took yeah. off the long skirt and gave her high heels. 
yeah. and, and and that 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 is just a very 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 cheap plot don't get me wrong the relationship between diana and barbara the, those little interactions you know diana who's this woman that's been on her own literally she's on her own she's immortal she can't make friends you know she never ages how is she supposed you know how does she cover up so she's always on her own and she finally meets this this friend and the wish that clumsy old fucking good for nothing barbara makes is to be more like diana who happens to be a demigod so i i think that's quite clever in the yeah. way they're trying to do that but for the villain's motivations and, it, it, and this wish is taking her humanity from her it's given her pizzazz style beauty you know it's given her it's given her all that but it's taken away her humanity and they showed that by barbara basically kicking the shit out of a potential rapist and yeah. we had to follow that as this is barbara turning evil she just attacked that man who was trying to finger out, you know, and it was really confusing. Well, Why we, is... oh, that was, that was just in two different scenes. So there was a scene obviously earlier on in the movie where she was walking through yeah. the park and she gave a homeless man a sandwich. And then this guy tried to attack her. And then Diana, uh, she must, now Diana has super hearing um, and she can hear things. And then yeah. she jumped in and, you know, hit the guy. And then uh, we will later on in the movie after she has, finds out that she's strong and she has a little bit of powers. She meets the same guy on the streets of Washington, D.C., and the same homeless man who's on the streets of Washington, D.C. Are we led to believe that these are the only three people that are fucking walking around Washington? Like, really? Washington, like, D.C., one of the biggest... Like, so, happenstance. Happenstance is, is phenomenal in this movie. You know, it, it, it is, like, literally, oh, my, I need a Coke. Put your hand up and a Coke can will fall down from the sky. Oh, oh there's a Coke. You know, it, happenstance is just fantastic in this movie. So we found out that um, basically we've got um, Barbara, who's made a wish with this stone um, to be more like Diana, to be uh, a more confident woman, get noticed by all the guys, which happens. Um, and then Bar uh, Diana makes a wish. Now, this was, I think, the question on everybody's lips as to how... The try and get Steve Trevor back into uh, back into the story. Seems though he died in a fiery explosion, and this is where it's probably going to be a bit get a bit contentious in the conversation. So Diana wishes to get Steve back, and uh, she's approached by a man at a party who is a random bloke, never seen him before, and slowly she realizes that this man is uh, has he got his spirit? Is he possessed? Is he? I believe. Is, I believe it's a soul. You know, there. So I thought, so it, was, I thought it was going to go into some really fucking weird Jesus movie because when he's trying to explain where he was, he's like, "Oh, I know, I was somewhere good." Uh, you know, and you're like, yeah. "Oh no, is this going to be a Jesus movie now? Like, is this is this where we're going with this?" So Diana's got Steve back, and they're having lots of lots of playful time, and this is one of the. I mean, there was a lot. There was a lot that I had a problem with this relationship in this film, an awful lot. So let's start off with the the, the elephant in the room straight away. His soul is possessing that man. Mm -hmm. This is the same man who, at the end of the film, now this is a film where pretty much every male character tries to get it on with every female character. They oh, are let you know. <laughs> it is. Every male every, character. Every time, every time a girl walks down the street. 
there's a wolf whistle. Hey, baby, nice buns. You know, like every single fucking day. Anytime a woman walks into a room, anytime a woman walks past a building. Barbara's character arc in this film is defined by how many men look at her ass when she walks into a room. Anyway, so this guy at the end meets with Diana back when he's being the not back when he's the normal man who isn't possessed by Chris Pine's soul. And he shows no interest in her. He carries on about his day. Okay. She rapes that man. <laughs> I'm saying it right now. That man's body. If if Chris Pine's soul, if Steve Trevor's soul was in this dude's body, where was that guy's soul? And we talk so much about choice, about consent. His body was used by Steve and Wonder Woman as some fuck toy all week. And he didn't have any say in that. A guy who showed no interest in asking this beautiful woman out. So he could have been gay. He could have been married. Could have been anything. And I think if that had been the other way around, if it had been Batman having sex all week with some woman's body possessed by the soul of his dead wife, I think there would have been fucking uproar. I really do. I I didn't pick up on it um, uh, until me and you obviously had a little conversation (laughs) later on after watching the movie. (laughs) Uh, I didn't pick up on it at all, but you know, I, I would I would believe that if you're right, if this was to happen in a movie where Superman, uh, you know, and Lois Lane's corpse was possessing, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. something, um, you know, and then Superman fucked him, you know, I, I it would be questionable, you know. I think you know that there I mean? would be a lot of questions. There would be a lot of questions to answer, and you know, now that it's a you know, a female empowerment movie doing it. You know, everybody mm. kind of just shrugs their shoulders and went, nah, it's not rape. Like, well, no, it is because, well, it is because that man didn't consent. Did <laughs> he not didn't consent ask to get it. You know, as 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 gorgeous as as, as old gal is, you know, and as unbelievable it was as it would be to, you know, to uh, give her the old one two uni flu. Um, you know, I, he, he never consented, you know, there, there was never just... a yes. I just look, I wouldn't, we won't dwell on it too much, but that is just one day in this day and age. If something like that with the roles reverse, where the hero is banging some stranger all week because it's got the soul of his dead ex wife in her, I think there would have been uproar about consent. His dead ex wife in her. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So, anyway, right. So, that, that wasn't the only problem with this relationship. I mean, first of all, totally unnecessary. Are you trying to tell me she hasn't met another man in the last 66 years? So, yeah, so I wrote this down. So when did Chris Pine die? So World War One, 1918. So, yeah, so it would have been 1917, 1918. Yeah. So it's over 60 years uh-huh. that she has been. Now, I get it. I know, I know what people will say. She's immortal. So her lifespan seems quicker. You know, so it feels as if it just happened yesterday. I understand that. I get it. Who told you <laughs> which big book of big book of immortality did you read that from? I've read, I've read people's. Oh uh, right, read okay. I've read interview with the vampire. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't know you're so <laughs> learned, my friend. Carry on. <laughs> and that is what it is. But uh, yes, you're you're right. You know, she has been pining for 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 sixty years now. She knew this guy, loved this guy, and. It took to the end of the movie for him to say to her, no, you know, you've got to move on. You know, you've got to move on. And then, literally 20, and then literally 20 minutes later, she looks at the guy and gives it the, oh, 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 and he <laughs> turns her down. You know, he yeah. turns her down completely. You know, yeah. he just, he's, he's just like, yeah, 
see ya and walks away and then she's and then you can see the glint in her eye going i can take a dick now <laughs> I mean, you know what she's looking at him and what's you know what that that's the ultimate thing if she was trying to get with that guy is it because she thinks a bit of steve's still in there and that's the only reason she's going after him no she probably knows the size of his penis now <laughs> <laughs> and knows how more how much larger that is than steve's and now she wants his penis in her again so let's talk about Steve. All right, good old say, fish. Let's talk about penises. <laughs> let's talk about penises for a while. <laughs> Big ones, small ones, many ones. <laughs> We're basically talking about Steve, who is a fish out of water. Oh, boy, oh, is he a fish out of water? Oh, I wanted to put a gun in my fucking. Mu- now this is this is, as you said earlier, this is the hour and twenty minutes where we don't see Wonder Woman at all, yeah, and we no. don't see any set pieces at all. No. So Nothing. What, all we've done is we've been introduced to Pascal, we've been introduced to Barbara, we've had Diana, you know, moping around for, you know, 45 minutes of the movie, you know, and then all of a sudden Steve appears and then they start doing the, the pretty woman. I expected the music just to Oh, I'm going to come on to that in a minute. For, and, no, I'm going to come and, on to that. And it was just like, I was watching it going, what fucking movie am I watching here? What, like right, genuinely, let's... what movie am I watching? Let's start with that. He went through every fucking... Men don't do that. I don't know many women that do that. I know women that pull the clothes out of the wardrobe and go, which would look good on me today, holding them both against themselves, and go, I'll wear that one. I do not know, and I've never known anybody that needs to try on seven or eight different outfits before going for a walk. Mm -hmm. And when he eventually leaves the house, he's in the same fucking outfit he wore yesterday. He didn't wear any of the new ones. And he has a he has a fanny pack. On. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It he, has like funny. funny. <laughs> he has a fanny <sighs> pack. But yeah, yeah, so then we we have his fish out of water when they're lying in bed. And w- what was he doing? Eating pop tarts. That's what it was. He was eating pop tarts. Oh, I've three pack. I've eaten three packets of pop tarts. I've eaten three packets of pop tarts. And then we have the fish out of water with the pop tarts. Then we have the fish out of water with the new clothes. You know, spaceman. You know, he's what you know. He's putting all these. New Does clothes. everybody parachute now? Yeah. Um... Then we have the fish out of water when he's walking down the street. Uh, you know. Then we have the fish out of water, and it's just a twenty-five minute sequence. Fish out of water with wondering what a trash can looks like. Yeah, it, it, it's like it's twenty-five minutes of fish out of water, and it's just like, does does this really need to be in the movie? Like does it, does all this really need to be in this movie? See, the the do this a lot. Films do this a lot. Now Sylvester Stallone in Demolition Man, Fish Got Water, <laughs> did it well. Because yeah. that was a new world to us. The seashells. The, the seashells. Seashell. The, the the thing, yeah, everything. That was fish out of water. Good. Okay. Now think back to Aquaman. And the thing that really fucking annoyed me, and we're about to really wind up all the Johnny Depp fans that listen to us. Amber Heard the bitch. Amber Heard that slut, right? <laughs> the, fucking, bitch. the scene where they're in Greece and she gets given a flower and she looks around and she goes, oh, and she bites and eats the flower. And you're like, you're a fucking moron because we've just seen other films where you come to Earth on a regular basis. You're obviously an immortal person. Why have you not seen this thing before? Why do you think it's suddenly all right to eat a flower? You fucking know. And that scene was great. In they did it again with Steve Trevor. And you, we, we were talking before the moment where they're trying to make their escape and they come across a, a fighter jet. Mm-hmm. Now he's amazed by this. 
No, no, no. You see, that's the, the difference here is right. It's not just the fighter jet that he's that he's amazed by. It's there's like there's like three planes, right? Now, I I don't understand. They go to the Smithsonian, yeah, and there are like five or six preloaded planes. <laughs> yeah, fully fueled. They're fueled up. They're fueled up. They are Keys ready. To fucking... Everything. And there's, a, and there's a fucking runway behind the fucking Smithsonian. <laughs> like, I know, maybe I'm fucking completely talking out of my hole here, but is there a fucking runway behind the Smithsonian? <laughs> and if there is, which dickhead <laughs> brought the museum together and just went, oh, we've got lots of children running through, but none of them are ever going to jump into that cockpit and try and start yeah. the thing. Yeah, but the, yeah. So he sees these planes, and he's completely mesmerized by these planes. And three, or, three or four of them were just fucking planes. And then yeah. yes, there's the, there's the F fucking whatever it is, the fighter jets and stuff. But he's amazed by planes. He yeah. flies fucking planes for a living. Like I don't. I, these I, I future do planes. I, but future it's not planes. a future plane. If it was a fucking rocket ship, it was a, if it was a flying saucer. Yeah, I could understand. But it's, it really wing yeah, engine. planes really haven't changed in fucking a hundred years. You know, bar bar the bar the fucking you know the 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 airliner that went over overhead. I'm sure that yeah. probably was a little if, if you were you know around back then. But let's be honest, he's he's seen bombers. He's seen you know all these different planes in in the dark. Does a Boeing seven two seven look any different to say? A fucking B fifty two bomber. I don't know. It was around World War One, so they were like more single. It was smaller planes. I can under, I bombers. Can get... There was bombers back then. Like there were. There oh were, no, I totally there were, agree. Was... There were larger planes, but I just I just don't understand the 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 fucking wonder of looking at a plane. The thing that irritated that really irritated me about Steve Trevor in this was a. It was basically holding another man's body hostage. <laughs> it was, <laughs> and let's be honest. Every time he went in the bathroom, he was tugging it. He was tugging it. He was. He's got sixty-six years of frustration to get out. Yeah. He was tugging it. Every. That's why he kept doing clothes changes. How about this one, Steve? Just put some on. And he's amazed by everything. In the first Wonder Woman film, we learned that Steve Trevor was basically working for the Secret Service. It was like, um, was it like, uh, it was behind enemy lines trying to it hunt was, down. Uh, it was kind of like an Interpol kind of thing. He didn't work for the Americans. No, he worked for the, I thought he worked for the Americans. Well, he worked for the, he worked for both. He worked for both. It was on the Allies, I, yeah. Yeah. But this, so I, but this I, guy. I put it that he worked for like Interpol or something. Someone like that. So, but this guy was the best of the best. The best flyer, the best soldier, uh, spy, can get information out of enemy lines. Why is this so fucking stupid that he can't work out what a bin is i'm i guarantee if you had a somebody of that in, level of intelligence got sent 60 years into the future they'd probably go okay i'm trying to compute all this i can work all this out that's you know what i mean it, it just they just turned him into a moron yeah so we've got the situation where barbara's made a wish with the stone hold diana on and, oh, 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 no, no, no. diana and steve have been reunited there's a third wish that needs to have been made but hold on we're we're not even going to talk about diana in the plane <laughs> please go ahead so so they're flying the plane 
and obviously radar has been invented. So Diana is like, oh, I know what I can do and starts rubbing her hands together and going and starts explaining that, oh, I was taught how to make things invisible. And <laughs> I'll just, I've never done anything bigger than a coffee cup. Oh, I wonder if she's going to be able to make the, the plane. Inv- oh, hold on. She's made the fucking plane invisible. All right. All right. So, okay. <laughs> right. That's, that's just that's that was, what Wonder Woman does now. <laughs> and she's there, she's, sat there, she's sat there saying, oh, I was trying to be taught this because we use the same magic to cover our island. And you're like, since when? Since when has this been a thing? Yeah. It's just suddenly you're in a plane. Why didn't she make herself invisible when she was walking across <laughs> no man's land? Or when, when she was going into the round the mall instead of having to take out the cameras? Why didn't she uh, make yeah. herself invisible? And you're telling me after 66 years, all she's been able to do is a coffee mug. So she's only just started learning this. Coffee mugs back from like the 60s onwards, maybe. So she's only just started learning how to do this. And now she can do a fighter jet. Yeah. Yeah. Paul. You don't need to explain anything else because that's what the movie does. Diana, Diana can shoot her head, can can pop her head off at will now, and oh, it sh- turns into a bomb. And then a new head grows where the old one was. One thing she can do now, she can fly now. <sighs> she can fly. At a time when she's losing her powers, she's getting new ones. And yeah, all the nerds are currently <laughs> emailing, Dear Movie Chef Podcast, you she and Banshee's always been able to leap very far during the comics. It was during the run of 1974 to 1974. <laughs> she can't fly. She can jump. She's yeah. falling with style. That's all she's doing. And it's made out to be some magical fucking moment where she's learning she can fly and she's not. She's just jumping. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder jumper. I'm, I'm never. I'm just never gonna get over it. Like I, I love it. I love it. It, it actually made me burst out laughing whenever I, I, I learned how to do that. And I was like, oh, what's she gonna do? What's she gonna do? And invisibility. And I was like, oh, invisibility. Oh, <laughs> of course, of course, because because no other scriptwriter could come up with anything else but invisibility. Or you know else, the what? Took else, what else idea, we they <laughs> took an idea from the '70s TV show of an invisible jet. And it's like, how can we do that one for the modern day in 1984? How do we make an excuse for it? How about you just say you, you're using a plane that's got anti-radar detection on it, which makes you metaphorically invisible. You know, do a twist on it. But no, she has to use fucking Mr. Miyagi hand rubbing and yep. gets the, makes the it's plane invisible. It's key and peel of Gremlins 2 pitch all over again. That's just what it is. Some yep. guy just walking around going, we need an invisible plane. Yeah, we got the invisible plane now, but how are we going to explain it? Who cares? <laughs> Wonder Woman. It's in the movie. <laughs> it's uh, it's done. It's done. <laughs> so, uh, and yeah, and oh, sorry to placate all those uh, all those people on Twitter with DC Stan in their name and picture of Zack Snyder as your f- icon. Didn't the fireworks look lovely? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know, on the, the fireworks were... The fireworks scene was amazing. I I I went through Twitter after watching Wonder Woman because I, I generally wanted to wanted to know what everyone thought about it, and the only good things that I could see that people were saying were, "Oh, it looked amazing." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it did. <laughs> can I just it say? Did. I can I just say I can't remember who this person was, and if I'd have written it down, I would be calling them out now. But having a very colourful fucking camera shot. Is not cinematography. 
<laughs> oh, look at the cinematography. No, bright colours from fireworks is not cinematography. Two people sat in a fucking plane looking up at fireworks is not cinematography. Just because it's colourful. Fucking ass. Look at the cinematography and it's like a fucking sunset, right? But that's but that that that's what gets me, you know, about this movie is that there's so much potential. There was there was so much potential with this movie, and I think we're going to talk about him now. The next person who probably steals the show. Yeah, but one last yeah. thing: anybody who refers to them as Paddy and Gal and Zach, fuck off. Zach has been bringing his vision for four years Patty? now. Who's Paddy? Who's Paddy? Patty. Patty Jenkins. Oh, sorry, sorry. I thought I thought you meant Paddy, like fucking Paddy Mug. <laughs> Paddy, your hair from down the road. He delivers the call down. <laughs> he runs that milk truck in the morning. Okay, so um, we've obviously got everybody's made the wishes, and um, the uh, the wishing stone has been uh, got into the possession of Maxwell Lord, as played by uh, the Mandalorian himself, Pedro Pascal. Uh, yeah, for all the good and the bad and the ugly, this is good. He is good in this because. Yeah. You know, there's always them films where there's always that one person that has been told they're in a completely different film to everybody else. You know, yeah. like John Malkovich in Transformers Dark of the Moon. Yeah. You know, that kind of role where it's like, you're in this fucking insane comedy, just go for it. And they tell everybody else they're in this really serious sci-fi. Yeah. It seems like they've gone to some Pedro and just gone, just, just have fun with it, mate. It's fucking, fucking ridiculous. I super enjoyed uh, Pedro Pascal. I believed everything. I believed the the kind of schmucky ad he was doing on TV. I believed, you know, what he, we walked into the building that looks great and it looks fucking amazing. He's got two secretaries and then he goes upstairs and it's just like a, a fucking blank office, you know, and, you know, his son's there. Now, he did annoy me a little bit, but, you know, what a needy wee bastard. He's just always hanging around doors and windows waiting for his dad to say something That's bad his, about him. That was his weekend. That was I his know, weekend with his dad. But, you know, he's always just hanging around. You know what I mean? Imagine that when your adopted around. dad don't want you. Jesus. That's... <laughs> <laughs> but I believed everything with Pedro Pascal. Now, I will say one thing as well. I actually quite enjoyed Kirsten Wig as well. You know, yes. I think her kind of, her kind of whole kind of, you know, descent into um, wanting to be something more than she was, was actually quite believable. And yes. I got it. I understood it. Um, you know, I didn't think, uh, further to what I said earlier on, I don't think it was all, uh, she's all that you know, obviously there was the mystical kind of thing of her wish that other people have seen her differently now, you know, and it wasn't just because of that stuff, but um, I think that, you know, her wanting to be somebody else, her wanting to be, you know, Diana, um, you know, her just, well, not wanting to be Diana, but wanting to be like Diana. I believe that, completely and utterly believe that. Um, and the... Pascal, but at the end, when he's yeah. turned on the fucking TV cameras and you know he's trying to get as many wishes. Yeah, as he's possible. gone full. He's gone full on. Yeah, I thought yeah. that was fucking brilliant. And the only yeah. person that ruined that scene <laughs> was it was Gal Gadot. <laughs> yeah. So this you know, is is obviously his wish. His wish. I mean, we're, we're told from the very beginning you want to get one wish, one wish each, but that's quickly gets thrown out i don't even know what the rules are for this first you've yeah, got to be yeah. touching, so. the, the rules the <sighs> rule seems to be at the start you can only make one wish but then he changes it to you can make one wish but with every wish that you make i get something in return 
Well, that was always the stone. That was always the stone's power. But he's basically changing the rules as he goes. One minute, it's the stone takes something from you. Now he can suddenly decide what he takes from you. So, yeah. he, and it, it's part Wishmaster. It's part Aladdin. It's just ugh, we've said about the story, but but I but I, I I get it and I understand that bit maybe a little bit, but that scene where he is trying to get all the wishes and trying to become more powerful and stuff like that, there it's he he himself makes it believable, you know, and you can you can kind of forgive all the the plot points with him because he is he's oh, handled yeah. up so well or oh yeah you know, yeah he's, he's yeah he's fully gone yeah. for it yeah he yeah. He, he gets. He's got that chance to to really ham it up because he's, he's he's earned it through the film. I read somewhere I can't remember whose review it was, so forgive me, but they said his relationship with his boy is just like a Jim Carrey movie. It's yeah. even like liar liar, where he's so busy working he ain't got time for his son, and his son just wishes he could have his dad be successful. So you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's like Bruce Almighty, where he starts granting everybody's prayers and everything goes wrong, and all he needed to realize was everything he needed was at home. And they say it's just like a bad Jim Carrey. It's reused plot tropes over and over again, but Pedro Pascal really does deliver on it. Now, so let's get onto these wishes, because I wanted to cover off a few of these wishes that we see. And ultimately, the way uh, Wonder Woman takes him down is basically by getting everybody to recant their wishes. If everybody recants them, the whole world goes back to normal. Again, you know the thing where you say you take out the queen and they all die? Or you take out the original one and it take out the mothership and all the other yeah. ships die. I hate that. And again, if we can get Pedro Pascal to recant his wish, everybody's wishes go back. Fucking you know? hell. All right, whatever. You see, there, there, but there's a few problems with that scene. You know, there's a few problems. And most of it is to do with, again, Wonder Woman has a new power. Yep. So Pedro Pascal turns on these multiple TV cameras that broadcast you know, interfere with uh, satellite signals and they broadcast everywhere around the world, right? Num- number one, the world doesn't speak English. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I would say probably maybe 80, 90% of Thailand don't, don't speak English. Or, you know, maybe 60, 70% of China don't speak English. And, you know, you're probably talking about quite a lot of people worldwide and you're relying on the fact that every single person in the world is watching TV or at a TV screen or at a monitor in 1984. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's my first problem with it, right? The second problem was when she, Diana comes in and she realized that, that she can't stop him He's too, he, at this point now, is getting too powerful because of the amount of wishes that have come in. He has basically made himself indestructible. Uh, yep. he, he cannot be stopped. He just, She destroys the TV cameras, and he's just like, well, I don't really give a shit anymore because there's, all the wishes are coming anyway, and I don't need the TV cameras anymore. And then she goes into like a, a five-minute monologue. Yeah, where she's talking to everybody through the where monitor. She's talking, where she's talking to everybody. When did she get that power? When did she get the power to control all the TV cameras? Well, wasn't she just talking down the, the feed that he was delivering through? Wasn't she talking no, to... No, the, the TV cameras were off. They were off at that point. Because he had said he doesn't need them. He doesn't need them anymore. Fucking hell, right. Okay. So, so... She, her, new, her new power is to project her, her voice through every TV screen in the world. Possibly. I, I just took it that she was 
Um, she was talking through the TV cameras, still. I kind of lost track at that point. But this is the problem with it. So ultimately, Wonder Woman is saying to everybody, you might not be perfect, you might not be great, you might not be rich, but you'll be happy if you are. If we give the world everything they want, look what happens. Look, look at all the devastation. And she needs everybody to recant their wishes. Now, yeah, a lot of people will have said, okay, we'll just go through this quickly. We're going to come back onto a few of the action beats. But so the last person to recant was Cheetah, this woman that wanted everything. So, yeah, okay, we'll come on to that in a minute. We had a woman. <laughs> now, I'm very sorry to do this, Cormac, but we had a woman saying, I wish you lot would go back to Ireland. Bastards. And, then... <laughs> and so now with that, yeah. You were a Wonder Woman coming through the telly saying, let's be kind to each other. Let's not be whatever. Fuck it. I, I lost track of what the bollocks you were saying. You know, you're expecting the average person to go, yeah, okay, I take that back. I don't want all Irish people to go. That's fine. You they then deserve, saw. They, they all deserve to go back home, fucking potato eating cunts. <laughs> but then you saw a picture of an Islamic terrorist, I'm assuming, an Islamic terrorist who sat there going, wish I had some nuclear bombs. <laughs> and you're telling me Wonder Woman got through to him in his fucking shithole of a cave in the middle of wherever on his speaker going, you don't want bombs. You want things to go back how they were. I'll oh, being shot every day by Americans. Yeah, spot on. That'll do. <laughs> fucking hell. And to be honest, it was 1984, so they were probably Taliban. Well, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> fuck them. Um, but the scene where the Irish person goes back and so when she's given her, you know, take all your wishes back. That girl's unconscious. So she's not heard Wonder Woman. So yeah, the, Irish she's is still going, the Irish are still going back home because she woke up because the Irish guy took the wish back and he was like, yeah, I don't want her to die. So she popped up. But Wonder Woman had stopped speaking at that point. So the yeah. Irish are still fucking having to go back home. Now, it was also Hollywood convenient timing where it says, I wish you'd drop dead. So that obviously means drop and then die over the space of about 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Not just yeah. drop dead instantly, which is what any old genie would do. But yeah, look, so some of the major beats in this, we had um, Pedro Pascal was obviously is, is a crook. He was like a, a Ponzi scheme, sort of trying to get people to invest in his dried up oil wells and keep funding him money and everything. Uh, and he slowly learned that he can sort of take things off people, uh, business partners, whatever, have them locked up. And, and it's very much like the Wishmaster from 1997. There was about four of them where it was this evil gin that was going around granting people wishes. But like a guy would say, um, I wish I was a millionaire. And he's like, oh, granted. But then his mum fills out a life policy and then her plane explodes when she's flying to see him. You know, it's those little kind of, and it's taking that concept. But for me, the the you've got the, the businessman. Now there was the scene in Egypt. There was quite an extended period in Egypt. Was it in Egypt? Could it have been any other countries around that neck of the woods? Saudi Arabia or somewhere. Yeah, like Saudi Arabia. It seemed, it seemed more Egypt, Egyptian. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely. It's not nowhere else. It couldn't have been any other country that Gal Gadot was trying to. No, okay. No, so, no, no, uh, and this, so this uh, Middle East Egyptian, Middle Eastern uh, leader demanded his rightful land back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scumbags who were. Uh, sitting on his land, and he wanted the rightful claim to that land, um, and his wish caused a wall to go up, yeah, through through his, Egypt, and uh, keep the and and it turned out that the the, the scumbags 
didn't have access to water. Mm-hmm. Like along a coast. Yeah. 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 So, um, I'm really trying to dance around this subject without... <laughs> I think we should move on. <laughs> but the bit where she saves those children at the end, that was beautiful, wasn't it? It well, really showed. I want to speak about something. And I want to speak about how horrible the CGI was of her running. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, it was awful. And and they just kept doing it as well. It wasn't as if It wasn't as if that, you know, they did it once and went, oh, right, we can't do that again. It was like four or five times throughout the whole movie that they CGI'd Gal running and it, it didn't look good at all. It, nah. it looked real cheap and real bad. That scene where she's taking out the trucks, where she's trying to get to Lord. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, it, there was some awful uh, blue screen sort of rockets firing in and all kinds of stuff like that. But nah, it's, uh, yeah. Some of it looked great. Don't get me wrong. It looked great. A $200 million Warner Brothers keynote production should look good. It shouldn't be yeah. a, a, you know, it shouldn't be a, a positive of the film. I think, I think one of the positives in the movie as well for me was the, the White House fight scenes. I thought they were fantastic. Really? I thought they were great. I, I really enjoyed those. Um, you know, then you get the introduction of, you know, big, strong Barbara. You know, she comes in and, and fucks shit up. Um, Do you know, any time that I see a White House fight scene, I always sit there and just go, all right, be better than X-Men 2. <laughs> and you're going to say that. Nobody can beat was... Nightcrawler, Paul. Nobody no, can beat Nightcrawler. But that's what I mean. But you've got Wonder Woman. And you had the opportunity for her to go and take down Secret Service through the White House. And it just looked like movie of the week. If yes. the oh, direction I thought, was, I thought it was good. Oh, then that, there's that standoff, and I, I like that. I like that concept, but again, it's the old trope of the heroes losing the power, and they've got oh, again, it's so many reused ideas over and over again. Um, but look, so the final fight, then we've got the between obviously fully formed Cheetah who gets a second wish. She gets another wish. She gets I another wish on the an apex, an apex predator. What a weird fucking wish to make suddenly all the all the wrestling fans just hear uh randy orton's music just blaring through their ears there's one for wrestling fans there they just hear randy orton's music when she said apex predator but she um yeah fully formed cheetah so have you seen cats uh, do you know what i haven't seen cats but that seems to be the bar <laughs> well i'm gonna I'm, like i don't know where you're people. going with this i don't know where you're going with this but I think I think she looked great. I, I th- well, this is why I'm asking about cats. I think in terms of making people look like cats, <laughs> you've got cats. <laughs> <laughs> cats is there in the middle. And at the minute, that's all we've got to go on. Or the lion from Wizard of Oz is just above that. Okay. okay. Yeah, she looked good at this. But I think it was it was one of these dimly lit, smoke everywhere i think i think they've they maybe looked at the 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 idea of the cgi in sort of clear daylight and just thought we need to cover this up because it was real sort of blurry it was fast action at the end it it felt like there could have been a lot more with that character and i know she's sort of been turned back but i just think it they just missed an opportunity to have an awesome fight scene between paul i'm gonna shock you i'm gonna shock you again go on I got a little, uh, I got a little excited when I seen her dressed as a cat. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, 
sexual awakening. Kirsten Wig. Kirsten Wig is a cat. I didn't know that this would kind of turn me on as much as it did. Um, I think I think the fight scene looked great. The one, the one is kind that, of is that like my arousal of visible or Rosaline dressed as a tortoise? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Good um, My my one takeaway from this was that Gal was on her way to <laughs> to the studio to stop Pedro Pascal, and then like halfway she remembers, oh yeah, the armor. So then she kind of turns back again and, <laughs> and goes gets the armor. Oh, the armor, the armor worn by a an old, the first ever Athenian. Yeah, yeah, we're going to come on to her in a minute, but yeah. So, um, so look, overall, um, I think it, for me, it is a film riddled with cliches. It is not helped by the story set up before it, in terms of Batman versus Superman, especially. Um, basically, putting it into this, having to go into the eighties or whatever. Um, Pedro Pascal was outstanding. Well, no, Pedro yeah. Pascal was good, and he did did well with what he had. Um, I think there was a lot of storyline beats which should, if this was a normal year and this had just come out in August, I seriously believe this film would have been ripped to shreds. Yeah, hundred percent. I think a lot of people, a lot of people needed this movie to succeed, yeah. and a lot of pe- a lot of people are. Uh, I've seen the difference between the Metacritic critic reviews and the um, public reviews. And again, they are way off, you know, way, way off. And it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense how a person whose, whose career is to review movies can think that that was in any way a good movie. Like I, I can't, Again, it, for me, it goes back to you hear all these jokes from critics sometimes, you know, of um, are you going to, you know, some critics give it a good review because they want to end up on the poster. Some yeah. will give it a review because, say, for example, uh, you're reviewing Wonder Woman 84 for, I don't know, a film magazine that rhymes with Vampire. And <laughs> you know that in two months' time, you're going to be on set visiting the reshoots for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah. And they'll have done the homework and Zack Snyder will read reviews. They'll read articles of Wonder Woman and, oh, hey, Tebs, I've read your review. You said Wonder Woman was shit. Get off my set. Come back. Yeah. And it's playing the game. And I think a lot of critics play the game. They want to keep getting invited to the premieres. They want to keep getting the one-to-one interviews and the podcast interviews with all the famous people. And to do that, you've got to maybe give a three-star review when it should have been a two. Yeah, 100%. I completely completely agree with you. And I think the one thing that it took away from this movie, yeah, and yes, you know, do you know what? It wasn't all terrible. You know, it, there were some, re- there were some really good scenes. There were some really good performances. You know, there are some good arcs in the story. Um, but there were far too many just magical moments. You know, Wonder Woman just, ha- just every once in a while having the right power, a new power to to sort the situation out. And it was just such a cheap, lazy out in, in a lot of the storylines. I'll give I'll give this one though in terms of emotional beats. So it, it's, again, this is good and bad. It was a good moment when she had to say goodbye to Steve again. I really felt yeah. that emotion. I really did. Walking away in tears, I really felt something there. But the bad of it was, I've already seen this. I don't want yeah. to see it again. You've just cheapened the first film by bringing him back and doing it again. Um, yeah, and I think, but I think a lot of that comes into Gal Gadot because I think she's a very good actress. Yes, 
you know, I think she's a very, very good actress. And, you know, uh, her performance the whole way through it was, was, was average, was good. Um, but it was just the material with which she was given that was the problem. For me, it was the, yeah, it was the story. It was the cliches. Uh, Steve, uh, Chris Pine, Pedro Pascal, Christine Wig, Gal Gadot, all great. I think the directing of this was flat as a fart in a lift. Um, yep. I think the story was cliche ridden. Um, and the end where you're trying to say to people, and again, it's in the middle of a pandemic, but you're trying to say to people, uh, you know, we've given you everything you ever wanted. Imagine if somebody's wish had been, I wish for 10 million pounds. And she's suddenly going saying, oh, take all your wishes back. Life was better. And I'm sat yeah. here in my fucking pants, coppering up to go buy a pint of milk. No, I'll have my 10 million pounds. Thank you very much. Yeah, just, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because Pedro took his wish away. So you would have lost everything anyway. And then you would have lost your soul because you wouldn't have taken your wish back. And the terrorist in fucking the bumfuck cave in, in Afghanistan took his fucking nuclear warhead back. He took his nuclear warhead back, didn't he? Yeah. Two stars. <laughs> <laughs> Two out of ten, yeah. Two out Two of ten. Out, I'd give it three out of ten. No, yeah, one, yeah. one star for Gal Gadot, one star for Christine Wig, one star for Pedro. Three out of yes. ten. Are we going to start star rating our reviews? No, do you know what? No, nah, that's bollocks. No, nah. that's bollocks. Nah. Yeah, fuck it. Seven, seven down thumbs. <laughs> out, <laughs> of, <laughs> out of 62. <laughs> Six ounces of tears. <laughs> no. <laughs> You Didn't Let Me Finish is a weekly true crime podcast with a difference, co-hosted by me, former BBC News crime correspondent and author Ben Ando, and me, journalist Victoria Mitzi. Frenemies Victoria and I saw lockdown as an excuse to exploit our at times grim specialism and have, due to popular demand, continued on all the big platforms where you usually get your podcasts. Oh, and free murder tips included. Catch us on Twitter at YDLMF podcast new episodes every tuesday night now back to the show well there is our seven and a half liters of tears out of 62 thumbs review of wonder woman 84 look i never say to people don't see it if you don't you know if you fancied seeing it don't you know if somebody says to me i know one of my mates dan who hosts neutral wrestling podcast they said to me, is Wonder Woman worth seeing? It's like, well, if you want to see it, then see it. Yeah, watch it. But he said, it's two and a half hours of my life. And I'm like, it's fucking right. <laughs> and when I look... I, play, I played Skyrim for three and a half hours this morning before <laughs> anybody got up. Wonder Woman 84 is longer than Apocalypse Now. Jesus Christ. That's not right. It literally is a, it's a long film. But if you want to see it, go see it. Don't take our word for it. Just... You know, we're not that influential. I, I, that's one thing I will say. It didn't actually feel like two and a half hours. No, I felt like more like three. Jesus, I meant <laughs> the other way. That I, I, the time, whatever. We're gone. We're done. It's that been given. F- it's it eight <laughs> ounces of tears. <laughs> so uh, next week we haven't got any big releases coming. Um, it's a while before we put another menu together. You had one at Christmas. You greedy bastards. What do you want more? Um, but we are going to dive, and we're, we're, we're going to start looking at the Marvel cin- cinematic universe um, in a preparation for Black Widow, Eternals, and Shang Chi and the. 12 rings 10 rings eight rings six rings there's a lot of rings it's got a lot of rings 
Shang-Chi and many, his many rings. Um, so we're going to be looking at individual stories throughout individual characters. Um, we're going to start, well, you, you don't want to, we're going to say Iron Man, Cap or Thor. Uh, and at first you said Iron Man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't Iron Man to... was technically, technically was the first, was the first movie. That's true. That's true. Technically. Literally not, Captain not, America. Not, is not the history. Better yeah. Not history wise. Captain America was the better trilogy than Iron Man. Y- yes, but... We will discuss this over but, the coming months. Yeah, yeah but Captain America is not really a trilogy. It is. No, it's not. It is. It's First Avenger, it's Winter Soldier, and it's Civil War. It's well, literally a trilogy. It's not Civil War. It's not. It is. It's called Captain, Captain America, America Civil War. No, it is. It's, it's called not Captain... called Captain America it, Civil it is, War. It is called Captain America Civil War. What's that? One, it is 100%. So it's a trilogy. So fuck you. <laughs> As he quickly starts Googling, fuck you. You fucking seconds, prick face. <laughs> Google's currently like, oh, fuck, Cormac's drunk dialing again. Somebody must have wound I'm not up. even drunk. I'm high on fucking hot chocolate. <laughs> Just getting a sugar rush. So next nothing, week. We... Nothing here says Captain America Civil War. So nothing. next week, we are going to be doing the trilogy, the Iron Man trilogy, with the fantastic first edition, the not so good follow up and the absolute garbage iron man three yeah. uh, so, that's, so that's for next week um if you watched anything recently by the way i've watched several things i watched an episode of eastenders the other night have <laughs> <laughs> you watched sorry that's uh imdb by the way captain america civil war bonza get it right up yeah captain manic america is barely in the movie shut your fucking mouth don't say that about cap he takes out Spider-Man like a don. Yeah. So I, I watched like these enders. <laughs> and then I watched the, an episode of American Pickers. Um, I like, watched, what do you want from me? I watched... I'm just asking what films you've seen recently, but it's all right. Fuck you. I watched uh, some on DMAX about people digging for gold in the Australian outback. Oh, I watched a great documentary on the Rwandan genocide in 1994. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. Tell me more, tell me See, more. That's it. that's it. Rachel said this to me this morning. She's like, why do you watch really weird documentaries during lockdowns? And I was like, what do, what do you mean? She goes, well, you watch that one about the Serbian and, and Croatian Yugoslav war in the, first, in the first lockdown. I was like, well, it's interesting. And she's like, why are you watching a Rwandan genocide documentary at seven o'clock in the morning? I'm like, well, <laughs> it's, it's it's interesting. And she's like, yeah, but it's not it's not seven o'clock in the morning. Reruns of Frasier don't start till nine o'clock, love. <laughs> I find the, myself i I do find myself watching watching a, a lot of documentaries recently. I need to watch more. I do enjoy documentaries, but I don't watch enough. There's, I don't try and educate a... myself. There's a good uh, documentary series on Netflix in the minute. It's called World's Most Wanted. Um, that's where I kind of got my Rwandan kind of thing from. There was a guy in that. There was a guy in when that. I was on my Rwandan theme. Yeah. <laughs> there was a guy in that who I wanted to. I, I, it was, it's a part of history that I wanted to know about, and I didn't really know that much about the Hutus and the Tutsis. So I thought I'll, I'll look back on that. But uh, do you know? I think it's Arsenal Football Club uh, in the UK. Who are sponsored on their shirt sleeves by Visit Rwanda, yeah. and I'm just wondering how many people have looked at that while they're watching the football and just leaned over to the wife and gone, "Hey, love, <laughs> how about Rwanda this summer?" 
<laughs> just wondering if it works. I'm just is it, write in at Pod Movie Chef. So follow us on Twitter at Pod Movie Chef. If tell us, have you ever booked a holiday to Rwanda off the back of advertising on football sleeves? Or or if you watched Don Cheadle in Hotel Rwanda? Uh, if you've watched, you think, yeah. Did you think? Do you know what? I, I gotta go over and see this for myself. So look, there's a there's our episode for this week. Uh, we need to. I'm gonna go and get another drink, but. Look, go and watch Wonder Woman if you want to watch it. Uh, go and watch the first one because it's better. Uh, I watched I watched The Matador with Pierce Brosnan. And oh, Grey I've Pony. watched that. That's very it's good. Not, it's good. It's pretty yeah. good. I, do, I, I also watched, watched... Uh, I watched the Thomas Crown Affair uh, with Rene Russo and Pierce Brosnan about three weeks ago. It's a great movie. Do you know in the scene where he's at the party and he's got a tuxedo on, but he's got the uh, tie undone? Yeah. Yeah. He was in contract with uh, Bond at the time, and his contract said he's not allowed to wear a tuxedo for any other film. So in that oh, scene, wow. he the, so he had to wear the shirt unbuttoned so it didn't clash with his why, contract. Why didn't he just wear a suit? Because it's a dinner party. It's a cocktail party. You don't wear a suit at a cocktail party. The fuck's wrong with you? Fuck's sake. Look down at the ground and say sorry. Sorry. All right, fucking hell. All right, I'm sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I watched another film that I'm going to tell you what it is as soon as we finish recording, but because I'm quite ashamed to say I watched it, but I'll tell you what it is in a minute. Is it Valley of the Dolls? So next week, no, it's not Valley of the Dolls. <laughs> so next week, Iron Man trilogy, Iron Man one, two, and the the Tony Stark movie. I'm going to go get another drink. Cormac, what are you going to do? Uh, peace, love, and understanding. I am going to play more Skyrim. Uh, I'm going to try to level up my magic. Follow us at Pod Movie Chef. Subscribe to us, Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us. Um, let us know. Leave us a review if you like what you hear. Uh, drop us a message on Twitter because we get lonely. Um, goodbye, everybody. You what? I don't get lonely. You've got a family. Fuck you. No, I'm talking about my fur blanket that I'm holding here. <laughs> That's been on my legs the whole time, motherfucker. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.